All right, folks. Welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to chat about the Denver Nuggets as they drop a game tonight. Not a, not the most important game, obviously. It's a preseason game, but uh, Denver does lose, I think, 133 to 124 in a double overtime affair. So kudos to you, fans of the Nuggets, if you're still up watching that at this hour. Uh, there was a horrible Broncos game that was also going on. So I can I can tell you're you're really uh really got the options going for for tonight if you're if you're a Denver fan. But uh, fortunately, there were some interesting things in this Nuggets game that we got to keep track of that we got to hear about. Uh, hope everybody's having a great night. Uh, let's start i think by doing the starters let's talk about the starters here we'll go to the bench in the second segment and then i don't know if you see on the on the screen uh over over there uh Jokic ranked second by espn we'll chat about that too for sure uh unfortunately have to talk about stuff like that because i mean look when you when you've got the best player in the world it's it's kind of shocking sometimes when Stuff like that happens, but we'll, we'll ha- we have to talk about it because it's it is important. So we'll talk about it in the third segment. Though let's start with the starters, and we should probably start with the big fella himself, Nikola Jokic. He looked fantastic in this game, and it was hard not to look at what he did and look at the all around contributions and be really happy based off of kind of where he was in the first game versus where he is in the second game. In the first game, I think he had like nine points, four rebounds, two assists, something like that. This game, uh, continued shooting. Continued shooting was kind of surprised about that, but this time he made almost every shot, and that is sort of helpful when you're Nikola Jokic. 17 points on 8 of 10 from the field in the first half, 1 of 2 from 3, uh, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, 1 block, was a plus 5 in his 18 minutes, and Denver definitely could have been better uh, in, in that time as well. There were some there were some things that the starters kind of had happen that uh, weren't spectacular in general, but was good to see Nikola play this way. Uh, a nice reminder, if you will, to Nuggets fans about hey, he is still the best player in the world, even if he's not considered it by everybody. And it was it's just very nice to always be able to fall back on that in these situations where Nikola just continues to do what he has to do. And the chemistry that he continues to show at the starting lineup, it, it is second to none in the NBA. Like these guys, they know exactly what they're looking for. And already we saw some great plays with him and Justin Holiday. Justin Holiday kind of relocating around screens, uh, making good plays, making good cuts, uh, finding the defensive value that he can find. And Jokic just kind of drags everybody into that. It's very clear that what he does on a consistent basis really helps everybody around him. And it's just hard not to love what you see uh, from from the starters, especially in this one. Jamal Murray, he set the table again tonight, was kind of surprised. Three of six from the field, 0 of two from three. So So now he's one of seven from three in the preseason so far. Uh, but he's done everything else, I think, pretty well. Six points, five assists, three steals. Uh, did have three turnovers in this one, but part of that is just going to be the way that the Nuggets play. Part of that was, hey, he threw up a lob to 
uh, Hunter Tyson and Peyton Watson tried to intercept it and actually, I think, turned it into, I think that was a Jamal Murray turnover because it was deemed a bad pass. But I mean, sometimes stuff like that happens, and especially in a preseason environment. And what it just looks like to me, and it, this is continuing to build off of uh, the first game, Jamal's passing is just, it's it's on another level from where it's been consistently. And he looks great uh, in general. And the the shots are going to go down. He'll he'll make more threes, especially as the games matter more and more. That seems to be the the key factor for Jamal is that he will get up for these games when they start to mean something. And the preseason is about working on things, and it's not as important for him to make the threes. But I, I would like to see him make some more threes in one of the preseason games. That would be good to see. But it's it's not at the top of the priority list for obvious reasons. But Six points, five assists, three steals in 18 minutes. Take that every day. Next, Aaron Gordon. I thought especially in this matchup where you go against a team like the Chicago Bulls, he's matching up with Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan pretty consistently. Uh, Positionally, I'm kind of surprised that he took on the DeMar DeRozan assignment and that Justin Holiday was the guy who was on... uh, like he was on Patrick Williams specifically. I figured that they would switch that. And when you've got a guy like Aaron who takes on a, a tough assignment consistently, usually you'd want a guy like Justin Holiday be the defender against a DeMar DeRozan type. But uh, I think uh, Aaron got the, the DeMar assignment tonight and, and DeMar went five of 11 from the fields, did get eight free throw attempts and went eight of eight from the line uh, for 19 points in 24 minutes. A lot of that came in the second half when Aaron didn't really play, but he did get uh, Aaron on a couple post-ups and, and a couple fakes here and there, you know, threw his caught, got, caught, got him caught on a screen. So I'm sorry, uh, very tired and, and have been talking a lot over the course of this last week. So stuttering a little bit is uh, maybe more than usual, uh, but Aaron still looks good. He still looks athletic. I think that when he locks in fully, this isn't going to be an issue. Six points to nine, three or four from the field, three assists, one steal, Couple turnovers, but I mean, everybody was turning the ball over tonight. The Nuggets committed twenty-seven turnovers as a team tonight, and that's uh, that's that's pretty tough. <laughs> Braxton Key had five. Peyton Watson had five. We'll we'll get to those guys in a bit. Uh, but the starters still look like the starters. They still look pretty good. Hard to really complain that much. And Kentavious Caldwell Pope, perfect from the field as KCP does. Three assists on the night. Uh, very, very good minutes from KCP. I thought his defense on Zach Levine was pretty good. Uh, Zach still found ways, especially in transition, to impact the game, and he hit a couple, like hit a couple tough shots. And then sometimes stars are going to do that. But Zach Levine, probably the second best player on the floor tonight, behind Nicola. Um, Nicola, I think, proved himself of that regard for. Uh, for obvious reasons, but he, uh, like Zach Levine, was still very dynamic in this game, and he is a guy who's going to take advantage of a defense that's not playing at full speed, and Denver wasn't playing at full speed. They were were trying to execute their coverages as best as they could, but I wasn't really of the opinion that they were going super hard out there. Uh, But look, that could change. I'm not really surprised. I do think that like KCP in general... He's one of those guys that knows when to turn it on a little bit. Sometimes he'll get cooked by by some guys, and sometimes he'll lock in. 
And this was one time where I thought Zach Levine just made his shots and played pretty well. And then Justin Holiday, as I mentioned, six points on two of four from three. Plus he had the two stocks that I, I want to mention. His defense and Denver's defense when KCP and Justin Holiday are out there it is going to be so good. Like those guys, I, I can already see the minutes during the regular season when those guys are playing together and you you start them in the fourth quarter, basically. You want to lock in, you play Jamal, you play KCP, you play Justin Holiday, and you just blitz teams and you, you go to town and try to uh, turn what was a five-point deficit into a 10-point lead in five minutes. And they're capable of doing that with, with that particular tandem. So I'm looking forward to seeing it for sure. Um, and then there's just no reason not to continue to explore that because Justin Holiday, I think, is going to be a trusted veteran option for this Nuggets group. And, and he uh, he fits in to what the Nuggets are hoping to accomplish. So hopefully that continues to manifest and we'll just have to see whether it does. But uh, pretty impressed with Justin Holiday through a couple games, even if the shot isn't perfect. Like he was one of four from three in the first game, two of four tonight. That is three of eight from three. If he shoots 37.5% on the season, that's just fine. That's in line with his career average. And if he did that, he'd be a helpful rotation player. So we will see. But for now, let's take a break. When we come back, we will chat about the bench, probably a little bit more noteworthy. We're going to chat about Julian Strother, especially. He is a guy that everybody wants to hear about right now. But first, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. They are the local book, and I hope you bet on the Kansas City Chiefs tonight because, or at least bet against the Denver Broncos offense because that uh, that clearly happened, and that, that was clearly a thing that Superbook, they, they would have led you in the right direction on that. They, they know exactly what you're going for, and because they're the best odds makers in Las Vegas, and they're making sure that you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 if you use the promo code MILEHIGH when you sign up and wager in the same day. So bet with the best and use that promo code Mile High this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Thank you so much for tuning in on this Thursday night. This will probably be the last podcast of the week. Uh, I've got some things going on tomorrow. I've got some things going on on Saturday. Uh, but there will be a podcast on Sunday night after the Nuggets game. That'll be a 7 o'clock Nuggets game. Uh, sorry, the, the cat is now uh, <laughs> has now made himself very available within this room. If you hear him through the mic... Uh, sorry, I forgot to close the door this time around. Um, all right, let's talk about the bench here. Yeah, this cat is going to be very loud. I can't can't wait for y'all to hear him and see him here. Oh, that's break. That's the wrong one. Bench standouts. Let's talk about Julian Strother. Another 16 points for Julian Strother. He is a fantastic shooter. It's very clear. Uh, he was notably a plus shooter in college, but. I'm not sure I fully appreciated it because sometimes if you don't see something translated into summer league, that's not what the expectation is heading into the preseason. There are guys that 
show immediately that they're good shooters and there are guys that it sometimes it takes a little bit like he was clearly able to get off shots in summer league but wasn't really able to hit as many of them as hunter tyson for example uh but julian strother another 16 points didn't really fill up the box score in other ways but 16 points in 20 minutes on five of nine from the field and four of eight from three is tremendous uh the one shot that he attempted inside the arc was a back cut and it was a back cut directly from Nikola Jokic, a vertical cut from the top of the key down Main Street. And that's exactly what you're looking for from a six foot seven target. And it's something that I've mentioned previously about big wings. And, and this this was more pertaining to Peyton Watson specifically. But Julian Strother also qualifies because if he's playing the two and he is shooting the ball as well as he does and teams are pressing up on him as much as they have to. He's going to have to back cut in order to keep defenses honest and make sure they're not overplaying his shot. Because if he can do that, he's going to create open points for himself and others. Like just by being an amazing shooter and by knowing when to cut, those are the only two things he's going to need to do in order to be a competent Nuggets role player. Like I really do believe that. The size is clearly there to be a reasonable defender. He's not going to be a plus defender immediately or by, by even by any stretch of the word but um it is a very clear indication that strother is uh i think he's gonna do pretty well for this nuggets team this year and i think that there's a, a very strong possibility that he is going to be a rotation a rotation guy immediately within this nuggets group i think if i were to predict what michael malone does i'm going to say that on opening night, he will probably play Reggie Jackson, Justin Holiday, Julian Strother, Christian Brown, and Zeke Naji. And he'll go with three wings, three uh, three traditional kind of 3 and D wing types around the Reggie Jackson, Zeke Naji pick and roll and see whether that works on the opening night. That would be my expectation. I actually think that Peyton Watson is kind of playing himself away from consistent rotation minutes and we'll talk about him in just a bit but Julian Strother's just been better so far and the the skill that he actually brings I think is is more important for what the Nuggets need based off of other guys that they have Uh, what I mean by that is Christian Brown I think can do a lot of the things that Nuggets fans are hoping Peyton Watson does from a defensive perspective Christian Brown's going to be the smart positional defender he's going to make some flash bold plays he's going to get out in transition and he could do a little bit of sec- a little bit of secondary ball handling on the side. Uh, and I think that Ju- Julian Strother doesn't need to be the secondary ball handler. He just needs to space. And if you play Christian Brown and Peyton Watson together, not a ton of spacing there. So I think there's actually a very strong chance that Julian Strother gets a rotation look. Now, it might not happen. And maybe they go with Justin Holliday as that floor spacer and... Then you've got Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, Justin Holiday, and that's fine. That's probably okay. It also gives you a little bit better size. But I'm at least curious. I'm, I'm at least thinking about it. And I think that Julian is going to make people pretty interested in playing him. And that is not something I expected to say at the beginning of the year. Hunter Tyson got a lot of minutes tonight. I think he played close to 30, if I'm not mistaken. Let me just look at it. Yeah, 29 here. 10 points on 4 of 13, minus 10 from the field. Not a great uh, not a great thing from him. 
five rebounds, all five offensive rebounds. And this is, uh, I think, one of the keys that I had kind of taking away from the Andre Drummond dominating uh, rebound experience. Grace mentions it here. How could Strother get rebounds when Andre Drummond was just eating them all up? I think that rebounds are a team sport. They're a team effort uh, when you are switching on defense. And that's something that is that's just going to have to be for everybody. And clearing the defensive glass is going to be important. And Hunter Tyson did not do that tonight. He gets bodied out of the way a lot for somebody who is six foot eight, six foot nine, uh, not as strong, not as strong in the core as as you're probably going to want from somebody like him. Uh, but he did do a lot of other things. I don't want to bemoan it. Uh, took a while for him to get the shot going, but he, he made a couple threes late. Ten points, five rebounds, four assists, three steals, one block. Did have a turnover, uh, but the missed shots—they'll uh, come. Like that's that's not something I'm really as concerned right now. By more of what I'm trying to figure out is whether he can hold up athletically, and the defensive rebounding is an indicator there. That's something that I'd be worried about. Uh, but also the like being able to stay in front of guys, being able to read the floor. He has been a little bit slow on his defensive rotations. He's a guy that through a couple games, I'm noticing him being the guy to close out slow, to close out late on the weak side kickouts for three. And he's going to have to be able to bust his butt to get out to that spot a little bit quicker. Or maybe he's not wanting to because he doesn't want to get blown by because he doesn't think he can stay in front. And that's a that's a problem both ways. Like you need somebody who can do both or at least like make a choice and cut off one. He's not really doing either right now. So he's had a couple of good defensive possessions and the three steals in a block. Obviously, those are indicators that he's been active and that he's been helpful. And I don't want to entirely bemoan it, but. I do think that he's one of the guys that I'm looking at when I think ah, the defense is probably not where it needs to be. Him more than Julian Strother even, and I'm I'm kind of surprised about that. But perhaps it's the position that they're playing, and that because Strother's playing more of a 2-3 kind of uh, weak side wing role, uh, Hunter Tyson's kind of more front and center as a 3-4, and there's a, there's a lot of opportunities for those 3-4 kickouts. Peyton Watson, five points and five turnovers in 21, 21 minutes. And he did have another two blocks, and I, I wanted to make sure to mention that in the, the graphic down below. But he is, I think, so minus 15 for him. And that's, I, look, plus minus is a team sport. And this is single game plus minus. I'm not going to sit here and bemoan it in a preseason game. That's just not how it goes. Uh, but I do think that the team kind of struggled when he was out there for a variety of reasons. Uh, one was the turnovers. One was his, his own individual turnovers, five turnovers and three fouls and uh, did have a couple blocks, but not necessarily getting to the free throw line, not necessarily making his presence known in a correct way. Did have a couple assists, did have four rebounds, and he was one guy that actually got on the defensive glass a little bit, had some big physical rebounds when when he had to. And he also blocked Andre Drummond at the rim. I think if not once, then twice. Um, so there are some flashbulb moments that are good with Peyton. But when I see a crooked minus 15 like that in a game that the Nuggets lose by nine in double overtime, and he wasn't playing by the end of it, I at least like my, my eye kind of catches at that just a little bit because 
I think teams are going to find him as a as a player that they could put pressure on because he's still learning, because he's still trying to figure some stuff out. And if that's the case, then Denver might have to slow play him a little bit, and they might have to go with some smaller lineups or go with some bigger lineups. Maybe this is a DeAndre Jordan plus Zeke Naji kind of matchup where, hey, you need DeAndre Jordan out there to match up with Andre Drummond, but then Zeke Naji also can help on the glass because he is the one that is not switching onto the perimeter at that point. He is just kind of playing his position. So would be interesting to track. I'd, I'd be interesting to interested to find that out, uh, but we will see. Uh, Grace says, Peyton looked really rough offensively. Wish he did less, but it didn't help that people kept giving him the ball. Yeah, like, it is definitely one of those things where I know that I wanted to see Peyton get the ball more in this game. That's a, that's one of the notes that I had from last game was I, I wanted to see what he would do with the ball with those opportunities. Clearly, those opportunities didn't go well. Clearly, those opportunities were probably better used with a guy like Reggie Jackson, who I know I see you, Grace, you mentioned in, in the next comment there. Reggie was very low volume in this one. Uh, he did hit the half-court bomb, but he only took four shots in this one and only played 10 minutes, had an assist, but definitely didn't feel as involved, definitely didn't feel as as central in this particular game. Was a minus two in 10 minutes, so hard to really gauge anything from that, but uh, he wasn't on the floor when Denver was giving up a bunch of runs. He was uh, just kind of out there and then being helpful and then in some good lineups and in some bad lineups. So I don't want to put too much of it on Reggie. Actually, I continue to like his minutes with DeAndre Jordan a little bit better than his minutes with Zeke Nagy. Uh For whatever reason, I, I don't think that Reggie and Zeke have figured each other out yet. I think that Reggie and DeAndre have figured each other out because they're just playing traditional pick and roll from 1990 on. And that to me seems like a pretty straightforward thing that Denver can go to. But Zeke is the better player than DeAndre and they need to figure that out. Speaking of Zeke, kind of a dud, kind of a dud performance from Zeke Naji. That's one that I, I, I mean, not necessarily set up for a whole bunch of success on a night like tonight, but five fouls trying to deal with the physicality of Andre Drummond, only 14 minutes, minus six in that time, had a couple turnovers on, like one of them was a screening foul, I know, uh, and then the other I think was just an offensive foul where he kind of trucked into a guy. Um, or maybe that was Peyton on, on one of those possessions. I can't remember. It was one of the two. Uh, did have a steal, did have a block, had a couple rebounds. But on a night where Andre Drummond in 14 minutes had 13 rebounds, Zeke Naji had two rebounds in 14 minutes. And that's just like, even if Denver is switching, even if for what I, all I'm saying is true, that it's not all on him to have to execute on the defensive end like he he's he doesn't have to be the only guy that grabs defensive rebounds uh that should be a job and actually you know who did a pretty good job of that um bruce brown for one but jamal does a pretty good job of that when he staggers with the second unit he tries to get involved on the defensive glass and i think that would be pretty helpful and reggie tonight grabbed zero defensive rebounds and like i know that's that's i don't want to bemoan it because uh, jalen pickett grabbed zero rebounds as well so this isn't just a uh, Reggie thing, but I do think that this lineup that we're kind of trending towards and that I, I sort of expect to be the lineup for the bench by game 10 or so of the regular season, it's going to be Jamal, Christian, Justin Holiday, 
maybe Aaron Gordon, maybe Michael Porter and Zeke Naji. Like that's that's probably the five that you're going with or somewhere close to it. But Jamal will definitely be out there and they'll they'll find some other times with Reggie. But I'm not sure it's going to be perfect. Um, yeah, Nadine, I, I do agree with this. People seem to think the Hunter Tyson was terrible tonight, but at least he was better than the first game. No, I, I agree. And you, you want to see progress. You want to see at least a little bit of moving forward in the right direction. And he was productive. The shot just wasn't dropping. And and that is still something that needs to come around eventually. But uh, I, I am, I'm a little bit more worried about some of the defensive stuff with him than I am about the offensive stuff. He'll figure that stuff out. That that I'm not worried about, especially if he ever plays with Nicola. Like, he'll figure it out. Uh, but Zeke struggled a little bit. By the end of the game, Braxton Key, Colin Gillespie, and Andrew Funk were out there with uh, with Hunter Tyson and uh, Jay Huff. And I thought that Braxton, Colin, and Andrew Funk had some awesome moments. Obviously, you have the Braxton Key tip in at the buzzer uh, to send the game to overtime in the first place. That was an impressive play, an impressive pass from Hunter, and he deserves that. Clearly the best pass by any Denver player tonight, and that includes the Broncos. That includes uh, that includes the Broncos for sure. Um, but yeah, like I mean, good good to see Braxton Key play and at least have some good moments. Did go four of eleven for ten points, so not exactly the most efficient. Missed all three of his threes and turned the ball over five times. So. It wasn't perfect from Braxton by any stretch of the word. It actually probably wasn't a great night, but had some good moments within it. Uh, and I mentioned Colin Gillespie had a couple threes in that fourth quarter to help bring Denver back. Uh, some really good moments there and some good setup moments there as well. Had an opportunity to win the game, I believe, right at the end of double overtime. Didn't re- or not double overtime at the end of OT. Did not drop. It's fine. Not a, not a big deal, but. Uh, was still cool to see him play well, and he got a steal and a block and was just very active and did some good things, good stuff from Colin. Uh, then Andrew Funk hitting some threes and, and doing doing some good stuff as a, as a floor spacer, as a good floor spacer does. So good stuff from that trio. Uh, probably not going to see that much more of them throughout the regular season, of course, but probably the last couple of preseason games they might play even more. And we'll uh, we'll just have to cross that bridge where we come to it. We'll have to see what happens. All right. Tell you what, let's take another break. When we come back, we are going to chat about this Nikola Jokic ranking. I uh, thought this was a good game from the Nuggets tonight. Uh, not necessarily worried about it too much. Uh, but now we got to go get mad again. And we got to we gotta talk about Nikola when we come back. We're back. Pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Uh, we're going to wrap up with this. Why was Nikola Jokic ranked second by ESPN today? I, I chatted with Vinny Benedetto last night. If you if you haven't seen that, it was a good episode. You should definitely check it out. Um, why Nikola was ranked second by ESPN? I'm still trying to figure out all the layers to it and and what actually could have possibly led people to make that decision. Uh, the first thing that automatically comes to mind is clickbait, where you have something as egregious as that after what we just saw from both Nikola Jokic and Giannis Antetokounmpo in the playoffs this last year. You see the way that those two guys go, 
And it's almost like people have amnesia to what happened to Giannis back in April because it was back in April and Jokic played in June. Um, But I, I just, I don't really get it. And we saw what Denver did to a Miami team that was scoring at will against the amazing defensive version of, of Giannis and the Bucks that I, I figured that they would be able to hold Miami down to at least under 120 points. But uh, no, Denver held them to like 96.5 points per game and Milwaukee held them to like 124 per game. Like, and yet somehow Denver is, uh, Denver is still a little bit shafted on, on things like that. Uh, well, here's here's the actual thing to, to mention about this. This list was supposed to be, uh, I think, the question that ESPN asked their panel, and I think they had several, like uh, over 100 people that contributed to this thing, apparently. Uh, the question that was asked was, who will have the best 2023-24 season? And just kind of going back and forth between guys at the top, guys in the middle, guys at the bottom. Apparently they were asked like this player or that player kind of questions like Jokic versus Embiid, Embiid versus Giannis, Luka versus Giannis, things like that. And they, they kind of pulled all those out. And then based off of those general polls, they, uh, <laughs> Mile High Sports is saying, hi, Ryan. Uh, thanks. Thanks, Mile High Sports. Really appreciate it. Um, yeah, no, I think uh, it's kind of surprising to see Jokic be as bothered, or not not as bothered, like ESPN be as bothered by the fact that Jokic could be the best player in the world. Like, how is it possible that he could not be the unanimous choice for this? Like, he is going, like, and Nadine says it here, like, Giannis relies on athleticism, so he'll peak earlier. And he already did. <laughs> like, he is... Close to the same age as Jokic. I don't want to overstate this thing. But Giannis has played a bunch of minutes in his career already. He has played um, 719 regular season games. He has played 23,000 regular season minutes. And 2,800 playoff minutes. I think Jokic has actually played more, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, that's that's neither here nor there. Um, Actually, you know what? Let me check that. Giannis has played 2,854 playoff minutes. Jokic in his career has played 2,556. Uh, 2, so it's actually, it's not true. Uh, but look, what Jokic just did over this past playoff run should be, like, without a doubt, the, the best possible playoff run that we could have seen from, from guys like him. 600 points, 269 rebounds, 190 assists. It's the only time that those have been achieved in a playoff run at all, ever. And he's the only player in NBA history to lead their team in points, rebounds, and assists. Uh, to lead the entire NBA. and To lead all NBA categories in points, rebounds, and assists for a playoffs. And it's just shocking to see all of this evidence kind of mount up. And like I said, the team that Denver beat in the NBA Finals to win the championship was the team that eliminated Giannis and the Bucks in five games. I just don't know how you justify voting for Giannis in that situation. Like what is going on? It, there's, there's, and, and to be clear, the, 
uh, the panel that that had like the five by five kind of forecast panel after that features people like Kendra Andrews and Tim Bontemps and people that I respect and Bobby Marks and, and folks like that. They were all basically like, we don't know. We don't know why this is a thing. Like Jokic should definitely be the top player after what he just did. We don't know. And so there might be some covering of the covering of the ass here going on for ESPN. Like, hey, we're not going to blame the individual people here. I do think that there was probably some shenanigans that went on to create some opportunities for controversy because the most controversial thing that people could do right now is not rank Jokic the best player in the world. Like that is just the most controversial thing based off of what happened. You win the finals, you average a near triple double, a near 30 point triple double in the playoffs. And you have a 30, 20, 10 game in the finals, which I'm sorry, a 30, 20, 10 game is better than a 50-point game. It just is. It's just more valuable than what Giannis did in Game 6 against the against the Suns. Like, we have already saw what Jokic did against the Suns. He averaged 35, 10, and 10. Like, it's not hard. It was never hard. So it's just insane that that this is what's what this has come to. And it's very frustrating to be like, you cover a guy like this and you try to give people time to adjust to the new reality. And people just continue going back to where they believe is, is home base for them. And they can't just can't quite fathom that Jokic could be the best player in the world somehow. And like, look, people can have their own opinions. I'm not going to say that mine is the right opinion all the time because I'm clearly wrong a lot of the time as people have uh, been, been loath to point out for sure. But this is the wrong decision by ESPN. Like, I don't know how they could have possibly come to this other than we are going to clickbait and we are going to lose credibility on purpose. That's probably it. That's that's probably it. And like they could survive that because they're ESPN and everybody's going to keep funneling back to them. And that's fine. But like, I just could not believe it. I could not for the life of me understand what the reasoning was and the reasoning that actually was born out in the, the column that gave the reasoning for it was uh, decidedly shaky. So, look, it is what it is. Nuggets fans, uh, as Grace mentions here, disrespect Twitter has been reborn. Everybody is firmly on disrespect Twitter now. It is very clear that everybody now has something that they could be mad about for, for Nuggets fandom. And that's... Uh, that's going to keep going through. So we just saw what he looked like in, in this particular game. We've seen what it looks like when he is locked in. I don't know if he's going to be fully locked in in the regular season, but based off of how he's kind of approached this training camp and this this preseason to start, kind of seems like he's taking this a little bit more seriously than he did the beginning of last year. And if he puts himself into that position where these games matter and he wants to take advantage of it and he wants to continue to be the best in the world, then if he wants to be the best in the world, like if that's something that actually like drives him, I don't know if it is. I'm not going to say one way or the other because I just don't know. But if it was something and he found that extra motivation, then here's a great, here's a great reason to be, uh, to, to put something up on your refrigerator or, or your, your bathroom mirror and be like, Hey, I'm going to look at this every day and look at them, them ranking Giannis ahead of me. Oh my gosh. Jokic isn't going to do that, obviously, but it is kind of funny to think about him doing that because he he doesn't care. 
but I think he's going to like people will probably tell him this and then he'll next see Giannis and he'll be like, you know, I win this matchup every time I win this game every time. I'm always better when you play head to head. Let's let's go do it again. That'll be very funny. So, look, I can't wait for ESPN to not show Giannis versus Jokic in the national uh, the national media games. I can't believe that he's they're they're not on they're not on national TV. I just don't know why, but they're not there. They could have branded it as the number one and number two best player in the world, but they missed because ESPN has been missing a lot, been missing a lot lately. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what goes forward. But for now, that is the end of my rant. It was a a subpar rant, I will say. I'm pretty tired right now, but. Uh, Look, we're going to have fun with it, and there's going to be plenty of opportunities to rant in the future, I have no doubt. I will have plenty of questions about the Nuggets rotation. I'll have plenty of questions about uh, various takes that people spout out about the Nuggets when they're losing games in November that maybe they should win, and everything's going to be fine. It's not going to be a problem. That is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into the show. I appreciate all the love and support on the podcast, as always. I will not be podcasting on Friday night. I will not be podcasting on Saturday night. But I will be back on Sunday after the Nuggets' next preseason game, and that should be a fun opportunity for us all. Who knows? Maybe Michael Porter comes back. Maybe Christian Brown comes back and we can have something else to chat about then. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into the show. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast as always. We'll talk to you guys very soon.